You know, I've been speaking this message on fear lately, and, and that was scary. We had to go help. Like we had the ability to, and I believe we're all prompted to do things. But when God opens the doors for you to go do things, and you know, the only thing that's keeping you back is the you know the whispering in your ear from Satan saying you're not good enough. You're not. Quit. This is dangerous. We had to, and we and we did. That's Chad Robichaux, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family, talking about his service to America in Afghanistan. He's going to inspire you to support those you know who are veterans and military members, so stay with us. This is Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and veterans deserve so much respect as they have sacrificed so much uh, so we can live in a free country. And it should never become trite for us to hear that. We need to think about what that means. Many of them have a difficult transition out of the service, which Chad experienced, and we're going to talk about that today. And he's now doing a lot of great work to help those veterans, being a veteran himself. And he'll share today how we uh, can participate in supporting veterans as well. Chad also has incredible stories of his time working to rescue people during the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. Uh, we've had Chad on the broadcast before, mm-hmm. but it's always interesting and a pleasure to have him here. Uh, he showed radical courage. That's a good description of it, uh, so that we can all learn from his commitment to defending what is right, and we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. And Chad Robichaux is a veteran Marine. He's an expert in veteran care and issues, and uh, he and his wife, Kathy, have an adult daughter and two grown sons. Uh, the boys are also Marines and a newborn daughter as well. Uh, he's written a book called Saving Aziz, How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban. This is an incredible book, and we've got it at our website. Check the show notes for the details. And then uh, as we begin, please note that we're discussing some graphic and mature themes here today. Keep that in mind. Chad, welcome back to Focus. No, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's so good to have you, and congratulations on this newborn. Now, there's a bit of a twist to this. What, yeah, what happened? Is. Well, you know, Kathy and I have been married 28 years. Uh, our, our adult children are, are 26, 25, and 23. We have three granddaughters through that. Uh, right. All our kids are married. We have three granddaughters. And then, uh, you know, we had always prayed, uh, and especially Kathy, just we always prayed that, that we would have the chance to be parents again because we made the decision really early on. To, you know, I, I ended up getting uh, a vasectomy and, and when I was 24 years old, which was probably way too young. And so through the years, we just, you know, long to be parents again and wow. uh, and then never so when we had grandchildren we thought okay this is it but uh you know god uh brought an opportunity through our niece who uh, was just not in a great situation yeah she became pregnant kathy's kind of talked through her maybe mentored her a little bit about not aborting uh and then if that she needed help with the baby when the baby was born to call us and about three and a half months into that uh summer being you know here with her mom, she, uh, she called us and she said, does that offer still stand? And we stepped in and a uh, guy just created a amazing opportunity for us to adopt summer. Well, and, and, and that's now. not the theme we were going to talk about, but what a great example of what it means to be for life, right? Yeah. In every way. I mean, this is not something that is negative at no. all. This is a great situation. And well, first God of all, empty, empty nesting is overrated. And, uh, you know, we've been, we were empty nesting for like five years. You don't look years, like the years. golfing type. Yeah. Empty nesting was, was like five years of it. And I just, I, I longed for that chaos to, in the home and laughter. 
And, uh, and, and I just felt like we had more to give as a parent and, and God's yeah. really blessed us and put us in a position to be able to do it. So we thought naively that we were blessing her. turns out the other way around, she's been just a blessing to us. Well, you know, so. again, it's such a great definition of what you have fought for your adult life, you know, becoming special forces and doing what you do. And we'll get into that. But isn't it interesting, even in that, it's a demonstration of being for life yeah. and all of it uh, fighting in the battlefield for life as well. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times, especially those of us, you know, who are Christians and believers and believe that, you know, God created us at, at conception. That's that's life. That's what yeah, that's what I believe. I'm, ab- I'm an abolitionist when it comes to abortion unapologetically. And uh, we could say that, but action means more than just speaking that like it means stepping in when we can to actually not just see that birth, but see someone raised in, in yeah. life. And, and so it, it, to me and Kathy, it wasn't even a question. I know she was just telling you this. It wasn't even a question between us like we were just like we have the opportunity to do this god's equipped us to be able to do this we're we're blessed and privileged to be able to provide a home and love this little girl and we're going to do it yeah uh, to both of you again congratulations what a great thing and to your niece congratulations to her for making a hard choice but a good choice absolutely um let's turn to the book saving aziz who is aziz well aziz was my to say he's an interpreter is an understatement, but I got to start there. I was I was a force recon marine. I was very privileged to try out for what's called the JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command Task Force. Uh, if people aren't familiar with JSOC, JSOCs where the premier special operations units are housed: SEAL Team Six, Delta Force, uh, you know, old organization called Task Force Orange. It's got a new name now that I can't. I don't think I can say, but uh, all these amazing, you know, our premier special operations units are there. So I tried out, got accepted, and went represent the Marine Corps in that capacity at that unit. And I, I did eight deployments to Afghanistan. Eight deployments. Yeah. Well, Damn. I mean, my job was a little different. So most people might imagine big military unit, you know, uniform. I was what's called an AFO, advanced force operator, which meant it's the closest thing I could describe to be an undercover in the yeah. military. So you work in a singleton capacity, meaning by yourself, you partner with a local national and you go ahead of your unit uh, in non-permissive areas, meaning areas where the conventional military is not allowed to go. I go ahead of my unit and build all the clandestine infrastructure to get our soldiers on target to capture or kill bad guys. And the unit I was at was looking for whoever the top 10 was, you know, from Bin Laden to number one to number 10. And so Aziz was my interpreter for that. And for continuity purposes, he stayed my interpreter for all eight of those deployments. He, uh, he saved my life numerous times. Uh, he went from being not just my interpreter, but my teammate and ultimately my friend. And, uh, like I could name several times that he saved my life, but he probably saved my life every day. Like don't walk there. Don't eat that. Don't talk to the person. If you talk right now, they're going to kill us. We were not operating those mountains. I didn't go back to base. He went home. I went to his home. I lived in his home. I, his wife Hatra made our first warm meal after coming out of those frozen mountains. And, and I held my shoot, his oldest son and my shoot. when they were babies, I held them as babies. So I have family to me. And, uh, and so, yes, um, Aziz also took you to a place that made a, a deep impact on you. I, th- I think it was the killing pool was its name. Yeah. What, what was that? And how did it impact you? Well, it, it started, we were, we were watching the, I was in his home for the 2004 election with Bush and Kerry uh-huh. and, and, uh, and it was like a Super Bowl party. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like why they care more about this election than huh. we do back home. And it really showed me America's impact in the world and how our decisions impact people that don't even, you know, they don't even citizens here. And so I really want to understand that. And so Aziz took me on this tour of showing me some of this history and uh, he took me to uh, several places, uh, one of them being the killing pool. And it was a Olympic pool that the Russians had built during the Russian invasion to train at high altitude and, uh, and it had been drained and the Taliban had used that pool as execution pit. And so it was just, you know, uh, riddled with thousands of holes from 
762 caliber bullets where they would execute people and uh and you know i even pulled some of those casings out with my leatherman and kept them as a reminder but uh you know just a very, very morbid but very real sense of what actually happened there and why the afghan people were fighting for uh democracy and freedom that they'd never even seen before most of them yeah. never seen that kind of democracy and freedom before why they were so uh, thankful for America being there and why they were so resilient to fight ag- alongside of us against the Taliban. You know, in that context, though, how did Aziz spur you into a rescue mission, a rescue mentality? Describe what was going on. This is during or right before uh, the U.S. military pulled out of Afghanistan. What were the circumstances? And, and again, how did Aziz become yeah. the, I guess, the, the reason that yeah. you decided to do something? Can I share one story of him saving my life? Sure. Uh, because that, that that ties to this. Just to say who he is. Uh, we were the, He and I were in a place called Batakut, Afghanistan and, uh, in 2005. Uh, the, the command we were working for was going after number six on the top ten list. And so we went ahead to build all the infrastructure to get our command on target to, to capture or kill that guy. We get out this truck. We're walking across this open field. It's muddy. It's snowy. The wind's blowing. I remember being mad at Aziz. Drag, well, I made walk through this sloshy mud, which ended up saving our life later. We get through this muddy field, and on the other side was this farmer, and he told us that the Taliban was there and looking for a foreigner, which is me. And so Aziz is like, hey, brother, we have to go. And so we start walking back across this open field to get to our truck, which now is a large open danger area. We're about 100 yards away from the road, which is behind us, and three trucks uh, boldly enough flying Taliban flags drove past us. They hit the brakes. They backed up. About 20 to 30 guys jump out and they began yelling, yelling at us. And we talked about what we would do if they did attack us, uh, the immediate action drill we would do. And so as we were talking and uh, we were just going to ignore them, but I heard the, the sound. I don't know if I heard first the the sound of the rifle fire or if you've ever, hopefully you haven't uh, ever heard a bullet fly over your head. You hear that the, crap, the pop of the air over your head went, and I knew right, you know, they had shot at us. And, uh, and at that moment, you could either run and probably die because you're in this open field or stop and you're going to be captured and, and or killed or fight. Aziz saw something that it didn't. He saw a Taliban fighter pop up with an RPG, a rocket propelled grenade launcher, and that fire would have been drawn to me. And he stopped in the middle of being covered by me and, uh, and he shot that guy and dropped it before he launched that RPG and uh, that rocket never went off. At that point, I just yelled run because we broke our rhythm with our drill and we ran into the woods and Got back to our safe house. They couldn't drive across the field to us. We reported to our command. They uh, they asked if we were compromised. I said, I don't think we are. They said, hey, it's up to you guys if we stay. And Aziz was like, we're staying. We're finishing this. Yeah. Well, what a heart-pounding story. That's Chad Robichaud uh, on today's Focus on the Family. And uh, he's talking about the book he's written, Saving Aziz, and all the experiences that went into the making uh, of this story, this real-life story. And there's so much here. Uh, we're glad you've joined us. If you want to learn more about Chad and Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, his outreach, and this great book, Saving Aziz, uh, stop by our website. We've got uh, all the details in the show notes. Uh, Chad, let's talk about saving your friend Aziz. Uh, you were back home in the States. You saw the news about this withdrawal from Afghanistan taking place, and you decide, okay, I've got to make sure my friend and my interpreter who worked with me somehow gets out of this mess. So what did you do? Well, the one thing I knew is there's no way I could live with myself if I sat on the couch and watched Fox News and just was mad, uh, knowing that I have the ability to, to do stuff like this. Uh, I'm a veteran. I'm not in the military anymore, but I still have the connections. I have the ability. I've been part of uh, other stuff like this before. I have to go get my friend. And so luckily, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of 
uh, great friends in the veteran community, particularly in the special operations community. And I called in uh, some favors and said, hey, will you come help me go get Aziz? Uh, oh, in my life, and, uh, and we can't leave him behind. How many uh, men are you talking about? Uh, 12 men and, and one woman. Uh, 12 special operations veterans and one uh, woman, uh, Sarah Verardo, um, that, that came together to make this team. Wow. And so when I say I knew Aziz was in danger, we had to go get him, it wasn't just because he was an interpreter. It was specifically he was targeted. because of that. He was targeted. And so, again, my friend said yes. We put together his team. As we were preparing this operation, very incredible group of people. Force Recon Marines, Navy SEALs, uh, Green Berets, guys from the CIA Ground Branch, which was our paramilitary unit, very experienced individuals. We're putting together this team, and, and one of our teammates said, hey, it's great we're going to get disease, but there's these 3,000 orphan kids that were just abandoned because people were surviving, survival mode. Yeah, running. And, uh, and uh, we have to get these kids, too. And in that moment, we kind of all stopped. Everybody are people of faith. And, uh, you know, the Bible has a, a verse, Isaiah 6, 8, here am I, send me. We all felt our hearts burden for that that calling, and and we that's why I called it. You know, Save our allies coalition was called Task Force Six Eight from from Isaiah Six Eight, and we all just in a moment said, "Let's get as many Americans, women, children, interpreters, Christians. Let's get as many people as we can. Let's just see what God does." And we leaned forward and said, "Yes, uh, we've got a lot of credit for this. Like we're awarded for a lot, of, nominated for a lot of big awards. I got the Bonhoeffer Achievement Award, but the truth is." Jim, I'm not smart enough or capable enough to pull off what happened. Uh, like, maybe courageous <laughs> enough. That's the point. Some people would say stupid enough. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, because um, it was it was bold, and we just knew we had we were being obedient to what God put in our heart. But what what happened? The only way I know how to explain, it, and I've been asked a lot how we did it, is to point to God because what happened was an orchestrated miracle, a modern day miracle that God did. Describe some of those uh, orchestrated points. Well, I mean, first of all, we're civilians. We're the only civilians allowed to do that. And I called some congressmen, some senators, got an audience with the royal family. We all got a, I put a conference call together. We briefed them, and they were quiet over an hour-long call. I'm thinking these people would think we're crazy. But at the end of that call, they said, yes, you can bring them here. We'll open up our humanitarian center, doctors, food, like care for the children, everything, the red carpet. In addition to that, we'll give you a C-17 plane, which is the large military planes and pilots. And if you filled that one up, we'll give you another one. So that was like miracle number two. The next miracle, I believe, was only in day three. I get an unsolicited call from Glenn Beck, uh, who I've done a lot of work with at Mercury One. And Glenn Beck called me and said, Chad, I went on the radio, like much like you with your, your voice here, he's, to inspire people to help. I went on the radio to get people to help. That's I wanted to do something. I thought I'd raise a few thousand dollars. In three days, he'd already raised $21 million. I think wow. over oh $40 million total. He's like, what do I do with it? I'm like, I need you to start chartering planes because we were thinking, how are we going to pay for this? It's going to be not thousands. This is going to be millions of dollars. Huh. And it was just incredible to watch so many people come together just for nothing else to, to come together in a moment where you know, a wrong injustice was done and people do the right thing. Yeah. And I guess the, the question everybody's asking right now is what happened to Aziz? He's here. He's in Texas. <laughs> He's uh, we hired him at Mighty Oaks Foundation. And one of the things that was really on my heart, it was I wanted to see this through. I didn't just want to get people out because you got to think these people did, you know, most of them fought for 20 years. Then he lost everything. They left with their family in a backpack. And many of them, the families are broken. People were killed. They lost family members behind. So when an SIV that served with us for 20 years makes it to America, they don't get access to VA care. They don't get, hmm. they can't get care for what they, so how are they supposed to uh, assimilate and reintegrate into society? The VA won't care, our government won't care for them. They won't treat them any different than anyone else. In fact, they treat them less. Being a legal 
process than those who are coming in illegally. Hmm. And so you know, they really get you know, the, the short end of the stick. So we felt as a ministry at Mighty Oaks, we felt burdened to say, we need to create a program for them, even though they may be uh, Muslims at the time. Like, we're not going to hide who we are. We're going to tell them we're a Christian program. We're going to teach them biblical principles. And we're going to come together with them and show them the love of Jesus and help them and their families get back on their feet. So we put Aziz in charge of that. And so for the last year, by the way, Aziz is, is a Christian. He's been baptized. And and, uh, and and so we just completed the first SIV program at Mighty Oaks Foundation at Sky Rose Ranch in California. We had over 20 uh, of those who served with us and fought alongside of us for 20 years uh, just get shown uh, the love of God and, and, and biblical principles to work past the issues they have of not only fighting – uh, for their freedoms, but losing their country and losing many, many of their family members. And it's just incredible to see Aziz's leadership in that. You know, Chad, for those of us that sit and watch the news, it's hard sometimes to humanize what's going on. When you're there and you're with their families, you're fighting alongside them, they're saving your life, you're saving their life. I mean, that's a bond that most people don't have the experience of. But yeah. it certainly does create a friendship that is probably deeper than family in many ways. Well, I, I mean, if you ever go on a 10-hour car ride with someone, you probably either love that person or hate them at the end of that car ride. Like me and Aziz did a lot of those car rides together. Yeah. We spent weeks, months by ourselves, just the two of us, sleeping on the side of mountains at night, just staring, talking. I, I was so interested in him talking about democracy and, and the freedom for his daughters and sons that he hadn't even had yet, like to learn about who he was and, and him learn about who I was and 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 see him risk his life for me, for us, uh, for us to be sitting here doing this podcast and for all of us to be able to go to church on Sunday and protect the freedoms in America. He was willing to do that. And, yeah. and so they yeah, had the bond that you get from that and, and the bond that other, uh, you know, us service members have with their interpreters and is just, you know, something that's hard to explain, but, uh, yeah. at the same time, I mean, just that thirst that you're describing for freedom. I mean, this is yeah. the great battle. My heart breaks most for the Afghan people. And people might not share with with me, and I I get it. You don't have that same personal connection. But how could you? I think it's hard hard to be human and and not have your heart break for these twenty million women and little girls that are left behind. Women as young as little girls as young as nine years old being drug away until they're you know discarded. Uh, if you can't have compassion for that and know that America played a part in that from the decisions we made, then you know I, I don't know if there's any human in you. I mean, no. I, like. I mean, how could you heart not break for that? I remember the last part of the evacuation, and 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 we could, I don't know if you want to go into how the stages we did in the evacuation, but the last part of the evacuation was me and Dennis Price were going into Tajikistan, and we would spend ten days swimming across the, the two of us swims ten days swimming across the Panjshir River to help women and little girls get out, and uh, Taliban was there, the Chinese military were there, the Russians were there, the Tajikistan border guard was there. And it, it was super scary. And as Kathy was driving me to the airport, and you know, I don't know if anybody's ever driven to the airport for a long trip before and they get in a fight with their spouse, but me and Kathy were didn't have a good conversation because she was upset at me for going to do that. She's like, you got Aziz already. Aziz had already been rescued. We had already got 17,000 people out. Like, why are you doing this? What are you trying to prove? And, and I just felt so convicted to go. And I was trying to explain to her like why it was so important. And the only way I really knew how to put words into it was to say, what if it was us? Like, what if our sons would be there forced to be pushing them a drosh to become ter terrorists. Wouldn't we be praying that someone somewhere would come help us? I, I know I would be. And, uh, and I just felt in my heart that somewhere over there was, a, was a dad, was a mom praying that someone would come get their daughter. That's what compelled us to go back that last time and, and go into Tajikistan and swim across the river every night for 10 days to, to help like, uh, 
You know, I've been speaking this message on fear lately, and, and that was scary. But on the other side, of that river was way something way more important than my fear or the danger of it was to go. We had to go help. Like we had the ability to, and I believe we are all prompted to do things. But when God opens the doors for you to go do things, and you know, the only thing that's keeping you back is the you know the whispering in your ear from Satan saying you're not good enough. You're not. This is dangerous. We had to, and we, and yeah. we did. And uh, Chad, I'm just. I mean, I mean, it's. I'm in awe because it is such an amazing thing, and you know, it can go to your head. It hasn't, and that's a good thing. But when you're capable of doing something like that, when you're capable of taking somebody's life in the military or that kind of situation, that's a lot of power that you have. And uh, but to hear you speak about using it for good, I think that's what God's heart is. Mm. Man, does He have the power? course yeah of course He's all powerful. he hung the, hung the heavens and earth he could right but he restrains himself yeah. so that more could be saved and that's what you're describing it to me i mean even with all of the combat description and all the you know attributes of war there is something in there that is godlike to go into that kind of danger and put it on the line and save someone save a woman save a little girl from the torment of what you're talking about and wow, I mean, it's just, I wish I could go back and do it with you. <laughs> That's what it makes me feel like. I, I want to do that. I want to be that. Well, as I select it, it's really uh, humbling you say that, first of all, and, and it speaks to who I picked to go. I want to mature men who are capable of violence, but willing to put that violence on a shelf to do uh, a, a humanitarian need that was that was at, that was in front of us at that time. Yeah, that was very important. It's such an amazing description. In fact, we had a, a little discussion before we uh, went to air on this. But when you look at the the word meek in the New Testament, where the Beatitudes, the meek shall inherit the earth. Meek there, that word is uh, interpreted to mean you have the capacity mm. to bring force, to bring harm, to bring uh, bodily injury, but you choose not to for the better good. That's a very different description than what we have come to understand in terms of meek being effeminate or rolling over. That's not what that's talking about. And you so embody that. You know, you could choose to kill somebody standing in front of you, but you restrain that for the greater good. That's a very different description. Well, I think it's the men that God wants in his kingdom because you're not really meek if you're not capable. If you're not capable of doing violence, you're not really meek. You're you're passive and you're you're kind of a participant in life. You're not really you don't really have the choice. You're meek by because that's who you've chosen to be, not not the decision you're making at the time whether you're gonna stand up and fight for good or evil. Like I, I think the the men that God wants in his kingdom are men that are capable of violence, but able to keep that under restraint. Because then you you have you have strength behind that meekness. You have right. a there's a you know, there's there's a strength that you could bring forward in times that, that you need to. And Jordan Peterson talks about this uh, yeah. in, in an incredible interview. He talks about you know the necessity for that uh, in in this world. And I think I, I personally believe that's why the church is in so much trouble right now because you have passive, weak men in the church that can't stand up against culture. They don't even have the courage to stand in the pulpit or stand in front of their congregation or their community to speak for the children. And if you're a pastor, and you know this may sound harsh, but if you're a pastor and you stand in the pulpit, you can't speak to that issue because you think it's political. Uh, then you are weak, and you probably should stand step step down off that pulpit and leave it to someone that can't. Well, it's speak a hard to that. charge, but I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And you know, again, I think everything we're seeing here is how to rescue people. This is the Lord's heart for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's why He sent Jesus. 
right? To rescue us, right. to save us. There was nothing weak about Jesus, by the way. I don't think yeah, I mean, so. I mean, you're talking about a guy that walked, you know, thousands and thousands of miles in some rough sandals his whole life. And, I mean. Well, and then went to the cross. <laughs> went to the cross. Yeah. I mean, died for us. He, knowing what he was going to face. Yeah. And uh, Chad, you're, um, you know, doing so much in the name of Christ to help people. Mighty Oaks. Uh, what is it all about? Describe the ministry. And some people, I'm sure, might say, I'd like to help you in that. Yeah, well, I mean, Mighty Oaks has uh, been around for 12 years. It came out of me coming back from those eight deployments. And, uh, you know, Aziz and I obviously heard some of the hard things we went through. I, I came home and and um, dealt with debilitating panic attacks, anxiety, depression. PTSD. Diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, shame from that because I thought I was beyond ever dealing with something like that. That led to a downward spiral that ended in a... Me separating from my family, facing divorce in an affair, uh, just totally treating my family like the enemy. A lot of people came around me to help uh, bring restoration in my life, but but and they did a lot of things, but nothing more uh, uh, instrumental than the restoration of my life through an encounter with Jesus, surrendering my life to Christ, being discipled for a year by a man named Steve Toth, and the end of that discipleship led to me having a deep burden in my heart to pay that forward to others, and God just uh, not only burdened me, but equipped me to start the Mighty Oaks Foundation. That was 12 years ago. Uh, and through that last 12 years, we've done, we do four things really. We do resiliency programs are based around the world. So I, we have access to active duty troops. And then, uh, and then on the recovery side, we have five ranches around our country, California, Ohio, Virginia, and Texas. And we do uh, uh, recovery programs that are six days long and active duty, all four active duty branches send people in orders to us. We pay for everything. We do about $8 million a year in programming to where we bring active duty service members, veterans, spouses, and first responders to these programs tied into ongoing aftercare and biblical counseling. Uh, and it's just been incredible. We've had almost 6,000 graduates now, but we're doing about 1,000 per year moving forward. Uh, and again, it's all free to them. And uh, Chad, thank you so much. Thank you for your courage. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for writing Saving Aziz. And when you see him, which hopefully will be probably tomorrow or the next day, yeah. tell him hello, give him a big hug, and uh, I hope well. someday I can meet him. Yeah. And again, on Veterans Day here, let me say thank you. And to your sons, too, who are serving now yeah. in the Marine Corps. Thank you so much for what your family has done. Yeah, and, and from me and myself and Mighty Oaks as well, thanks to all our veterans out there. Yeah, amen. Hmm. Well, what a remarkable conversation with Chad Robichaux, and uh, we can't encourage you enough to get a copy of this book, Saving Aziz, How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban. Uh, it is a fascinating read, and I know you'll want to get a copy of that. Contact us uh, to learn how. Also, we mentioned Mighty Oaks Foundation. We'll have a link in the description uh, for the show uh, so you can learn more about what Chad's doing and some of the great work they're achieving. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. And again, we've got details in the description below. And John, like we often do, if you can make a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of the book, Saving Aziz, as our way of saying thank you for getting involved in the Focus ministry. When you donate to Focus, you give families hope. And right now, through a special matching opportunity, your gift will be double dollar for dollar. So your gift can bring healing and redemption to twice as many families. Yeah, your donation will help us create programs like this, shine the light on uh, life, and uh, offer help to families, particularly veterans' families, as uh, we're observing uh, that holiday this weekend. So donate as you can. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. And uh, when you do, just request that book, Saving Aziz, by Chad Robichaux. Hey, Chad, again, thank you so much for being with us. It's always good to see you. No, anytime. I, okay. love, I love being here. <laughs> and thank you for joining us today for Focus on the Family. 
On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.